Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Technical Future Podcast. Guiding you through this series will be myself, Kess. And myself, Ibrahim. So today we will be discussing the digitization of education. To guide us through that, we have our very own Lewis Nevis, who is the Digital Learning Director for the Faculty of Engineering at the University of Nottingham. So Lewis, welcome to the show. Um, if you could just start off by giving us a bit more detail about yourself and your current role. So, um, so my name is Luz Neves. I am a structural engineer, so I teach um, basic structures at the University of Nottingham. I worked for a while as a bridge designer, so I'm very traditional civil engineer. And then uh, a year ago, I became digital learning director. So that means that I became responsible in the faculty together with my colleague Becca Ferrari on transitioning the university and the faculty into a more digital way of teaching. So in many senses, uh, the university is very digital, but in, in many senses, still very analog. So we still do a lot of, or we used to do a lot of submission of coursework in paper, exams are in paper, uh, lecture notes are in paper, and all of this has a huge load uh, to students and to staff. So our job was to try and develop approaches that would minimize this. So try to move us towards a more digital world. And so that's what we've been doing. And then, of course, uh, in March, we had the COVID pandemic and the campus closed and all the students had to move away. And so all of these things that were aspirational became the reality for next week. And that's when all the teaching moved online and lectures became videos and paper submissions became PDF submissions and all of that occurred very, very fast. So this is what I've been doing for the last year is try to make this uh, transition as smooth as, as, as possible, really. So you mentioned the transition into online learning. So how has learning changed from pre-COVID to post-COVID? And what are some of the challenges you faced when dealing with this pandemic? Well, there was quite a few things. Um, I'll talk about some of them. I think some of them are quite interesting. Um, one, of, one of the things that we face, the first thing we face is that the obvious solution to a lecture is to go and do a video. And the first thing we had, and you experienced this as students, was having videos that mimicked lectures. And then very soon we realized that this does not work. You know, it's, it's endless. An hour video of a lecture is an endless experience. So one of the things we worked quite a lot about was how to make sure that you had the same kind of experience you had in a lecture room virtually. And this involves not just giving students a video, but giving them a video, follow that by a quiz, have an opportunity for students to feedback on what they are reading, what they are saying, have uh, small questions, analyze the results of those questions. It's, oh, there's quite a few students that are not able to solve this. Maybe I should cover this next week and ask students. So a lot of the challenges were that in a lecture room, you say something, you look at the students, you see their faces, and students, and like everyone, react when they understand they react in one way, when they don't understand they react in another way, when they're bored, they start looking around. In a digital world, we have none of that. We, we can't 
we can't see any of this. You don't have students nodding. You don't have none of that information. And so what was the real challenge was try to bring that back by using uh, small quizzes, by using uh, small tests, by having questions, by having chats in the meetings and asking students to like or dislike a statement. So, oh, did you understand this? Like it if you understood. Try to make the communication as easy as possible. So that was one of the big challenges. The other one, which um, was something I'm really keen on, was the computer rooms. A lot of engineering goes on in computer rooms. And of course, in this current situation, we cannot have access to computer rooms, which means um, students will not have access to specialized software. So you mm -hmm. might not be able to install Revit or SAP or AutoCAD or a range of other softwares. I think IS manages 16,000 pieces of software. Wow. It's, it's enormous. The amount of software that is used in every corner of the universities is endless. And so the students and the staff and the researchers, it's also this goes from undergrads to masters, PhDs, postdocs, academics, uh, professional services, all stakeholders in the university needed access to software that only ran yeah. on campus. And so we came up with the solution IS and we did help in the Faculty of Engineering and I was a bit involved with that, which is the Windows Virtual Desktop, which is a service yeah. that um, so it's a. It's a service that is provided by Microsoft, so Microsoft has a bunch of uh, servers in the Netherlands. And uh, all the users logging into this and what what it feels to a user is like they have a desktop mm. and that this desktop has the properties of a desktop on campus. So if you are a student that's going to be using only office, you get a low power uh, desktop because you don't need more than that. If yeah. you are a student that's going to be in an engineering degree or in a computer science, you get a more powerful desktop because you're going to be doing AutoCAD and Revit. If you're going to be using uh, 3D modeling, you get a very powerful computer, which is a lot more powerful than the one you had on campus because actually you could use it. And if you're doing um, project modeling and developing in, in PDM, you get a machine that costs 15,000 pounds to play with so you can do your coursework. And we can, you can give each student what he needs or what she needs to do a specific piece of assignment. So for this assignment, you get this machine and this machine is going to be good enough for the assignment you have. Or for the next one, it's just writing a report. You don't need this. You need something much cheaper. And this is something that's been quite quite a challenge. And you know, we, we're still learning how to use it and the students are still learning how to use it. And we, we the, the process has been improved over and over again, but it's something that I find is going to be quite a game changer. I think once the pandemic is over and we go back on campus, both the students and the staff will want to have access to all of this from home mm. yeah. during their holidays. So they want to, you as students want to go be able, you want to be able to go back for 
Christmas home, you want to be in London or in Manchester or in Edinburgh or in the south of France and be able to access everything so you can complete your coursework, so you can study, so you have the you have all the opportunities you would have on campus anywhere else. And this is something that I don't think is going to go away because we once our students, our staff realize that this was possible, they're going to keep on having it. So those are those are the things I'm, I'm really interested. Um, the yeah, challenge, so, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say so that that leads on to what I was, I was going to say next about how how the changes that we've experienced with learning so far after this pandemic going forwards now as we go towards a potential normality which factors are gonna are gonna change like forever so other than the virtual desktop which you've already discussed is that the main thing going forward for no i don't think it is i don't think it is um can you imagine yourself sitting again in a lecture room instead of watching a video of 10 minutes myself personally i prefer it but i know a lot of people that don't so i think i know a lot of people that prefer videos so so we're gonna have to cater for a solution that is ideally or the best possible for both you that prefer a lecture and your colleagues that prefer a video so we might go into something where the lectures we still have lectures but not all aspects of the content are delivered in the same detail in lectures and they are used for much more interactive processes where you can listen to something try something feedback discuss with colleagues so i think and this is something that we're still looking into and still discussing but i think we're going to move the um lectures for example lectures to much more active activities where the passive receiving of information can be done remotely can be done using videos can be done using podcasts can be done using a variety of means and then the lecture is is to make to consolidate and to explain what you did not understand in the content so it's not to the 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 standard of the content is stopping the lecture the lecture is going to be a place where you go to discuss things to try to experiment to ask questions to see why is this like this and to uh so i i see the lecture i would like to see lectures with a lot more uh group work a more more discussion a more demonstration of things and see so this is a this is a, a trust there you go play with the trust see how the trust works so use the lectures for the things i cannot do online mm. and use yeah. the online for where he actually works as well as a lecture but then again this is this is my my view of it and i'm we're still discussing all of these things. So, for example, I'll give you a nice example. You, I don't know if you had labs this term. A lot of students had labs, and of course, we cannot go into the labs. So, what we did 
is that we record the labs. What we found is that a recorded lab is worse than a live lab in some regards, because for a civil engineer, you need to understand the size, you need to understand the noise, you need to understand the the um, what you need to see the beam deform and crack to believe it actually happens. Seeing a movie if it is not the same thing. You need all of that. You need you need to see how loud it is when it breaks. You need to see how fast it is when it breaks. It doesn't take half an hour to break. It, it breaks in half a second. But on the other hand, if we want you to understand how this beam broke, it's much better to show you a video with slow motion representation of the of the of the beam broke. It's much better to show you from different perspectives. It's much better to be able to zoom in and be much closer. So I think we're going to go into a process where the lab is going to have the beam, the real beam, but also it's going to have a screen where you can then um, revise what you saw, paying attention to different things and using things like virtual reality to allow you to zoom in and see better and being augmented reality where someone draws on top of the of the beam to show you highlight some of the details. And the reason why we moved to this online labs was because it was impossible to deliver the others. Now we're finding that actually merging the two in something that has been called blended learning for many years in many places is actually potentially as the advantages of both systems and will allow us to go further in what we teach and hopefully make it a lot more interesting. A lot more interesting. Thanks for going into a little bit more detail about um, your kind of reaction to the pandemic and everything. I'm just wondering um, how easy it was from a university perspective to actually transition online. Like, is it something you planned for beforehand? Um, and also, um, I'm wondering, like, what are some of the strategies you had in place to deal with the kind of volatile nature of um, the restrictions? I think you know, we have emergency plans, but um, the pandemic was something that was unthinkable mm -hmm. three months before it happened. So. When, when when it became clear that it might happen, the university started making plans to do it. But it did it. It was it was very challenging to everyone. I think um, staff worked extremely hard, extremely hard on on um, on making this happen. I think everyone realizes that there was an enormous learning curve where um, staff learned how to produce a video and then the week later learned how to edit the video and then worked out to enhance the video and then how to combine that with other things and so i think you know universities are known for places where are known for places that hire smart people and that allowed the university to change the way it works very very fast uh but it, it was i'll be honest with you it was it was challenging in many senses and we worked very very long hours to make this happen and um we we had all of us had to learn 
new technologies, new ways of delivering things. These technologies, some of them change on a weekly basis. So we're always adapting and, and creating new ways of, of doing things. And, uh, the fact that we were able to deliver teaching with a very good standard, you know, I think the quality of teaching was very, very good. Yeah. And that we were able to deliver meaningful, fair assessment under these circumstances without any interruptions, without any, okay, let's let's wait here for a couple of weeks and we'll get back to you on this one. We didn't have any of that. We were able to keep the calendar. We were able to keep the same standards of, of teaching in a different way. I think that that speaks quite a lot about the, the adaptation, the, the ability of the university to adapt enough staff to learn new things and students. And, you know, I say staff because that's what a lot of my work was. But the truth is that students learned new tools overnight. You know, a year ago, none of you had ever heard of Teams. And now this is switching on Teams and getting a conversation in Teams is as normal as sending an email was a year ago. That's just the way it's just the way it's done. You know, submitting, scanning something and submitting it online became an absolutely standard process. And so the challenge now is how do we build on all of these things that both students and staff learned to build a better process in the future? And I think that's that's going to be really challenging and I think it's going to be really, really interesting. Really, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun, but um, it was it was a very long year. I think um, I think you all the students appreciate that if they look at what was the practice a year ago, what is the practice now? There was an awful lot of adaptations, and that that was a lot of work. And I think most of us are very proud of what the entire university as a community managed to achieve. But it was it was a lot of work for everyone, for for staff, for students, for professional services, for IIS. All there was a lot of people working very very hard to make this happen. As students, it's easy for us to just overlook the hours and hard work that lecturers actually put in. We appreciate how much they can do sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it wasn't easy adapting to all this, but as you've been saying, you know, uh, a lot of work has gone into lecturers actually, you know, um, learning these new skills and, you know, that really deserves the utmost appreciation from students. I think, you know, it's our job. And, uh, but, and I think if, if, if students think about it, it was it was all right, you know. Things things kept on going almost normally, um, and that's and I think you know the feedback we've been getting from students has been very very positive, and that they've been very happy about the way it worked. There's there's hiccups, there's things to be improved, and that's that's what we do. We listen to things that need to be improved, and we we act on them. And I think that's that's been our policy is to act as fast as we can and and solve the difficulties as they arrive. So it's been it's been fun. Yeah. But there are challenges. I for example, one of the things I'm really worried about is there's a risk that this um, 
all this digital change will increase the gap between students and will make students that come from underprivileged backgrounds uh, face extra difficulties because they don't have the right uh, equipment, they don't have the right internet access, they don't have the right experience, they don't. And I think that's something that we are working on helping. And um, I think the virtual desktop was helpful because it gave everyone a basic computer in a sense. But I think that's going to be one of the, I think it's a huge opportunity. I think we can, if we do this right, and I think we're doing it right, we can give everyone a more equal opportunity. Yeah. But it's something that we need to keep in mind that um, a video might not be adequate for a student which has difficulties hearing. So we need to be able to give this student a transcript yeah. so that he can still follow the lecture even if he cannot hear it properly. Um, and it's not the same as he was in a lecture room because in a lecture room it would be possible to read lips where very often in the video it's not. So these kind of concerns are, are concerns that we have and they are very central to what we are doing. But the solutions are not easy. The solutions are not, not easy at all. Thanks for um, talking about your, your current role and the digital solutions that you've implemented. Do you mind now discussing um, any other changes that you might have experienced earlier in your career um, in terms of oh technical <laughs> I've been doing this for too long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I was, uh, when I started teaching, that was early, it was 99. So oh. you were very young children at that time if, if born at all it wasn't even born yeah. See, <laughs> yeah teaching lecturing was done using what we called transparencies mm. so it was a transparent piece of not paper but a material plastic and you would write on it and you would project it into a screen and of course if you made a mistake it was impossible to delete and so of course, the natural way of doing is you would pre-prepare these transparencies and just then just show them to students with a handwriting that was sometimes better than others. And the if the lecture room was a little bit bigger, it was actually quite difficult to see. And so the big thing in that, at that time was PowerPoint. PowerPoint was great because you could prepare your slides and you could give those slides to your students. There was no such thing as a Moodle. So, yeah, you know, it's kind of fun looking back. So what we did at the time is that we would print the slides and someone like, well, in my home country, it was the Students' Union would photocopy the slides and give them or sell them to the students. So. And you were, so this was, there was no such thing as, oh, where is that? If you lost it, you couldn't find it again. You called your mates and ask them, do you still have a copy of this? I know I lost it years ago. God knows what that is. And of course, if you need them six months later or an hour or one year later, you could never find any of this. So it was just lost. Mm -hmm. um, notes were mostly um, handwritten and photocopied 
forever and sometimes they were readable some other times not really and so it's funny that at the time we went into uh powerpoint and powerpoint became the standard in teaching and it took us a while to understand that um there's some limitations to powerpoint and now we are moving back to processes where the students are a lot more active rather than just watching a PowerPoint deck being, you know, moved through. So we, you see now uh, a lot of attempts of going back to a notion of whiteboard or a, a notion of of writing live. Uh, so that was that was that was very very different. Um, I think the, the entire notion of, of the Moodle or the in Nottingham in, in is Moodle, there's other systems like that, of all the information being accessible to students at any point in time. I think it was a huge revolution that we don't really realize how difficult it was to get access to the lecture notes before that kind of technology existed so and and even if you look at the quality of the Moodle pages 10 years ago maybe not that much ago Moodle pages were a dump where you would throw a bunch of files so if you look at Moodle pages from 10 years ago what you have is a list of files a list of PDFs without very little structure very little um, indication how this should be used. Whereas now you go into most model pages or the vast majority of model pages and they actually says, OK, this is week one, this is week two, this is week three, week week two, you're supposed to read this and this and this. And so we moved into the VLEs, as we call them, the virtual learning environments being much more central to education and being almost self-contained whereas in the old days the the focus was the lecture everything happened in the lecture if you couldn't attend the lecture that was your problem you have to go and ask your mates can i get notes and the notes would be full of mistakes and because everyone makes mistakes when they're copying in a lecture and so in that sense i think life was 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 very was a lot more difficult to students in that sense. On the other hand, it was easier because now you expected to learn a lot more things. You, you are expected to be fluent in all things digital. You expected to be able to uh, work with Word and Excel and MATLAB and AutoCAD and um, all of the Autodesk things and then be able to program in MATLAB and a little bit of Python and write a thesis in LaTeX. And, you know, the 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 amount of things that you are expected to know as a student, but also as a graduate has increased a lot. Um, some of the things we're doing now on the digital capabilities is what should a student know in terms of digital capability that goes outside his, his area of, of study. So what is it that 
every student in the university should know. Should every student in the university know how to search online for a scientific paper? Yeah, we think so. But that's a new skill. It didn't exist 10 years ago. Should every student in the university understand privacy online? Yes, they should. This is new. Should every student in university know how to collaborate digitally with other people? Obviously, but this didn't exist five years ago. This is absolutely new. So in a way, live in some senses is, is easier for students now because information is more available. On the other hand, that's too much of it. And it's very difficult the, the skill we're trying to give students now is how to curate this information, how to select it, how to see what is good and what is bad. And that's 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 a huge change in education that we are all facing. You can all find an explanation about bending moment diagrams on YouTube. Everyone can do this. The difficult thing is, is this good, bad or ugly? Is this is this actually going to help me or is this actually going to make me even more confused than I was before? And both things happen quite frequently, as, as you both know. So sometimes you go and you say, oh, well, I'm going to go and look for this online and you find something. And by the end of it, you're even more confused than you were when you started. And and this is true for your studies, but it's, this is true for your professional life as well. You go and work mm -hmm. on something, you can find the information. But is this information actually going to be helpful or is it actually going to be worse than not even having seen it? And this is the kind of things that we are trying and I think doing a decent job of teaching you and getting you to um, understand how to navigate all of this technology, which is something I find quite, quite, quite interesting. Thank you for sharing your knowledge and experiences with us. It's really interesting to see the different solutions that you've implemented, especially during this unpredictable period of our lives. We hope you enjoyed your time on here. Oh, it was it was a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk about this. <laughs> it's a pleasure. So I think it's also gonna... a pleasure to talk back with my first year students when they grow and they become closer to being engineers. It's also a huge pleasure. So I think we're going to end it here for today. Cool. So we'll see you guys next time on the technical feature.